So they uh, <clears throat> they brought uh, <clears throat> Ebby to New York, and he went to the Oxford Group, and uh, there he uh, took the six steps. And after uh, sixty days, they the uh, Oxford Group had a witness step, and they said you need to go witness to someone uh, the change that's occurred in your life, the spiritual change. So he he was he thought of Bill W. And he went to Bill W. And look at the uh, circumstances that led to us being here today. And so uh, on page uh, nine, he says, he comes to the uh, to see Bill, and Bill says he was sober, and it's in italics. And he had never seen Abby sober. It was years since I could remember him coming to New York in that condition. In fact, Bill said that if he ever drank like uh, like uh, Abby, he would quit. And he said, rumor had to be committed for alcohol insanity. I wondered how he had escaped. And of course he would have dinner and then I could drink openly with him. Unmindful of his welfare, I thought only of recapturing the spirit of other days. There, you see, he's he's defeated. And he gets this call, and he's going to have someone that's going to join him in his drinking and in his escape from reality. There was that time we had chartered an airplane to complete a jag. His coming was an oasis in the dreary desert of futility. The very thing, an oasis. Drinkers are like that. Drinkers seek the oasis. They, they're in a desert, but they when they drink, they think they're in an oasis. And after a while, the oasis... Uh, doesn't work anymore. And there's no there's no place to escape the desert of futility. And so at the bottom, you could say your bottom is when I'm in the dreary desert of futility and I cannot escape. Alcohol, drugs don't work anymore. Nothing works. The door opened and he stood there, fresh-skinned and glowing. There was something about his eyes. He was inexplicably different. What had happened? And if you see the uh, movie, My Name is Bill W., and you see uh, Gary Sinise, who was Abby Thatcher, come to see Bill. You can see that it's a very powerful scene when Bill looks at him. And you can see that there's something about Abby. He's radiating something, some power inside of him. There was something about his eyes. He was inexplicably different. What had happened? I pushed a drink across the table. He refused it. Disappointed but curious, I wondered what got into the fellow. He wasn't himself. Come, what's all this about? I queried. He looked straight at me simply but smilingly. He said, I've got religion. I was aghast, so that was it. Last summer, an alcoholic crackpot. Now I suspect a little cracked about religion. He had that starry-eyed look. Yes, the old boy was on fire all right, but bless his heart, let him rant. Besides, my gin would last longer than his preaching. But he did no ranting. In a matter-of-fact way, he told how two men had, had appeared in court persuading the judge to suspend his commitment. So really the first 12-step call was Ebby Thatcher to uh, Bill W. So how long do you have to be sober to make a 12-step call? Well, Ebby was 60 days sober. And <clears throat> he, had, he had something to offer Bill. Uh, he had worked some steps. He had had a change in his life. And he, had, he could share his experience, strength, and hope with, with Bill W., and he talked about how uh, he had been this, uh, escaped from the court system, gone to New York. And then he, they had told 
the people came to him of a simple religious idea and a practical program of action. That was two months ago, and the result was self-evident. It worked. Well, the program of action was the spiritual exercises that they had to produce a relationship with God and knowledge of God and to have uh, God's directing uh, direction in their lives and not be self-centered anymore. And the simple religious idea was to not play God, to uh, be a servant of God and follow his will and not your will and to live a spiritual life of love, purity, honesty, and unselfishness. He had come to pass this experience along to me, and I cared to have it. I was shocked but interested. Certainly I was interested. I had to be, for I was hopeless. And, and that's an <clears throat> another point. We're always hopeless on our own. But as soon as we surrender our will and seek God's will, we're not hopeless anymore. He talked for hours. Childhood memories rose before me. I could almost hear the sound of the preacher's voice as I sat on still Sundays way over there on the hillside. There was that proffered temperance pledge. There, there was that proffered temperance pledge I'd never signed. Um... He, um, his grandfather was against drinking, and um, he recalled that he recalled that wartime day in the old Winchester Cathedral came back where he describes the the soldier who died by pot. He he goes on. I'd always believed in a power greater myself. I'd often pondered these things. Now this is the example where belief in a power greater than yourself won't work without following through on the spiritual exercises of the steps. Uh, because belief is not knowledge of God. And what we're seeking in AA is knowledge and faith, true faith from a relationship with God, where we suddenly realize that God can do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And he, um, he goes on to talk about how, uh, despite contrary indications, I had little doubt that a mighty purpose and rhythm underlay all. How could there be so much of precise, immutable law and no intelligence? See, I can believe in God, pray for pray, and and all for hours every morning. Get in my car and go into uh, into the into life, living with, uh, with to living and be running my life again. And so, uh, we need we need to do more than just to believe and to pray. And he says, I simply had to believe in a spirit of the universe who knew neither time nor limitation, but that was as far as he had gone. With ministers in the world's religions, I parted right there. When they talked of a God personal me who was love, superhuman strength, and direction, I became irritated, and my mind snapped shut against such a theory. Now here's a man who's dying, dying from his self-centeredness, but when they talk of a God personal to him, of superhuman strength and duress, he became irritated. Well, why was he irritated? Because he had been playing God, and he really wasn't going to submit himself. He wasn't ready to submit himself to God. And his mind snapped shut. Remember, we're going to read in We Agnostics that the thing that's going to kill us is our old ideas, and our old ideas that we think are true. 
and then we, we have prejudice. We prejudge things based on our old ideas, and we're not open-minded and willingness, and then we can't, we can't see the solution. So I'm the only person who can snap my mind shut. Nobody else can. And I'm the only person that can become open-minded and willingness and to get rid of, let go of my old ideas. Now here's Bill being really, really kind. He says, to Christ I succeeded, I conceded the certainty of a great man. Was that nice of Bill? Not too closely followed by those who claimed him. His moral teaching most excellent. Now this is, this is a true alcoholic uh, statement. For myself, I adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult. The rest I disregarded. So with our alcoholic mind, we're deciding what, which part of the moral teachings we need. That's why they say a sick mind can't, tr- can't treat a sick mind. Uh, the wars which had been fought, the burnings and chicanery that religious dispute had facilitated made me sick. I honestly doubted whether on balance the religions of mankind had done any good. But remember, it's people who did these things, people who had f- free will. Judging from what I had seen in Europe and since the power of God in human affairs was negligible, the brotherhood, a man, a grim jest. If there was a devil, he seemed the boss universal, and he certainly had me. You know, I, I, I don't know about where the devil resides. I'm uh, not a theological uh, uh, expert, but the devil in me is my thinker. It's what talks to me and tells me things that aren't true. And I listen to them. And, and that's, that's, to me, the devil. That's the thing that separates me from, from God. But my friend sat before me and made the point-blank declaration that God had done for him what he could not do for himself. And he couldn't argue with that. You can't argue with our experience. You can't argue with, with our change. So we are the example. We are supposed to be the, we are supposed to be the, the 12th step. We're supposed to be the big book in print. We're supposed to show the newcomer that something's happened to us and God has done for us what we could not do. And God can do for them if they'll let him and follow the steps and surrender and follow through on the program. His human will had failed. Doctors had pronounced Debbie incurable. He knew that. Society was about to lock him up. Like myself, he had completed defeat and he had, in effect, been raised from the dead suddenly taken from the scrap heat to a level of life better than the best he'd ever known. Uh, there are people in this room that, can, that, can, uh, that have had that experience. I've had that experience. It's hard to believe from where I was on uh, February 8, 2002, to where I am today in this room reading Bill's story right now. Had this power originated in him? No, I didn't have the power. It didn't originate in me. Obviously, it had been not. There had been no more power in me or Bill or Abby than there was me at that moment, and this was none at all. That floored me. So the power doesn't originate in me, but it works through me. It's it's the big book tells us that the that God is the deep reality is inside of us. So so I always have access to the power. The question is whether I allow the power to work in my life, whether I will let go and get out of the way of God's direction? Will I be God's channel of peace? Will I be the St. Francis prayer? He said that floored me. It began to look as religious people right after all. You see, he had to, he had to question his prejudice because here was something at work in the human mind, heart which had done the impossible. 
My ideas about miracles were drastically revised right then. See, Bill is beginning to let go of his old ideas. He's becoming open to a new idea, that there's a power available to him, and the power can work through him, and the power can change his life. Um, here, here sat a miracle directly across the kitchen table. He shouted great tidings. I saw that my friend was much more than inwardly reorganized. He was a different footing. His roots grasped the new soil. And so the soil that I was in when I came here was my self-centered soil. Remember, selfishness, self-centeredness, that is the root of my problems. The root of my problems was, was, it, was it was in a soil that was self-centered soil. And what I need to do is put my roots into a God-centered soil. And then my tree will look a lot better than the tree that looked came out of the self-centered soil. My self-centered soil tree was full of resentment, fear, shame, and guilt. Uh, conduct in which I harm people. And if it's God-centered, my tree is going to be beautiful. It's going to have love, tolerance, kindness, patience. It's going to have love and service. Despite the living example of my friend, there remained to me the vestiges of my old prejudice. See, it's still there. The word God still arouses a certain antipathy. You know, people don't want to hear the word God. Well, the big book is a book about God. It's a book, it's a, it's, it's the book of, it's, it's the book, the God book. The whole, the whole big book is how, how to have a relationship with God that can, that can change your life and your thinking and direct your, your life so that you can have a useful uh, existence and serenity and peace. Um, and then when, when he talked about a God personal me, this intensified. He didn't like the idea. He, he's sitting here arguing with himself about God and he's dying. And he has no power and he understands that. And he's still, he's still arguing uh, with himself about whether I'm going to be willing to give the idea of God. It's so preposterous when you think about it, but it's true of every, every alcoholic. I could go for such conceptions, creative intelligence, universal minor spirit nature, but I resisted a thought of the czar of the heavens. How loving his sway might be. He resisted the thought that there's somebody who's really in control of things and it's not Bill. To give up on ourselves is such a hard thing to do. The complete surrender of our will. My friend suggested what seemed a novel idea. He said, why don't you choose your own conception of God? Well, you can't argue with your own conception of God. It's your conception. And so one of the, the old ideas I need to get let go of is other people's conception of God that, 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 uh, that I don't, I, it doesn't work for me. So I have to have my own conception of God. And my conception of God has changed through the years. I have a God that's personal to me and that's love that is deep inside of me and I can, I can uh, go to that power and uh, anytime I need to and it can change the way I think and change the way I act. And all I have to do is ask and seek him. That statement hit me hard. I melted the icy intellectual mountain in whose shadow I had lived and shivered many years. And he begins to see in the sunlight of the of last. He lived in this intellectual mountain. He lived in the in his own mind, his own mind deciding 
what was best and what he needed to do and who uh, who directed his life. And he had lived in this icy intellectual mountain and shivered. And now, just the idea that there's a power greater than himself and a, a, a conception of God that's different, he can see some hope. He can see sunlight. And we'll... Uh, We'll stop here and we'll pick it up uh, at this point next week. Thank you. Relationship with God, we're in the now with God. I was to know happiness, peace, and usefulness in a way of life that is incredibly more wonderful as time passes. Now, it wasn't that he got happy, he was happy in a way of life. He was living a spiritual life, and he was living the steps. And he, out of that, he got peace, and he was useful. And what do we read in the 12 and 12? That the 12 and 12 are steps, spiritual in nature, that relieve the sufferer of the obsession to drink and render them usefully whole. And so now we're useful people, and, and what is our purpose in the steps? It says on page 77, our purpose is to put our lives in order, but this is not an end in itself. Our real purpose is to fit ourselves maximally to be of service to God and others. And so we go from self-centered uh, existence to one of uh, love and service. When Dr. Bob died, I think that was the last thing he said, love and service. At the, um, he went to the, con I think it was the convention 1951. It says, near the end of that bleak November, I sat drinking in my kitchen. Now, something occurred to me when I was thinking about this today that I'm going to share. With a certain satisfaction, I reflected there was enough gin concealed about the house to carry me through that night and the next day. My wife was at work. I wondered whether I dared hide a full bottle of gin near the head of our bed. I would need it before daylight. I don't think he was hiding anything from her. I think she was quite well aware of what was going on. And... Uh, but she had no power to stop it, remember? She, we're powerless over, uh, over this, and we're powerless to help someone else. My musing was interrupted by the telephone. The cheery voice of an old school friend asked if he might come over. Now, we're not powerless if we share our experience, strength, and hope, right? And if we, if we lead them and show them what we did, and they do what we did, then they can be helped. But I'm powerless until they want to do that. I'm powerless until they're defeated. So this was Ebby Thatcher. He asked if he might come over. Now I thought about it. Ebby Thatcher was uh, 60 days sober. How did he get the idea to go see Bill W? You think that might have been God? Mm -hmm. You think how God put this all together? Because Ebby Thatcher was someone that Bill W knew when he was a teenager and in his early uh, teens. And they, uh, Bill W was... Uh, uh, lived with his grandfather in Vermont, and Abby Thatcher was a rich man's son from New York, and they had a vacation home out there. And they also had a vacation home with a man named Roland Hazard's family. And Roland Hazard and Abby and Bill and Lois, they all socialized together when they're teens. And Abby and Bill drank a lot. And then Roland Hazard couldn't stop drinking, and he was dying of alcoholism. I mean, his family had, had, they were like the Rockefellers. So they sent him to Dr. Carl Jung in Switzerland. And he was there with Dr. Jung for a year. We're going to read about that in There's a Solution. 
And he was there with Dr. Young for a year, and he knew the inner workings of his mind perfectly. So Dr. Young said, okay, we're done with the therapy. And he was drunk, rolling within three days. So he went back to see Dr. Young, and Dr. Young says, I didn't realize you had the mind of a chronic alcoholic. There's no hope for you. Unless there's been phenomenon of people who've had these spiritual rearrangements in their mind, and their attitudes and outlook on life change. And he says, that's the only hope for you. So he says, well, you mean I need to go to church? He says, no, you need something more than church. You need to have a whole transformation of your personality. All your old ideas and attitudes have to be changed. Now, Dr. Young knew that was a solution, but he didn't know how to get that. So Roland Hazard went back to New York, and he met uh, Reverend Shoemaker. And Reverend Shoemaker was running the Calvary Church, and they had the Oxford Group. And the Oxford Group was a group of people trying to live uh, as Christ would want them to live before the Bible was written, before, in the first century. And they had love, purity, honesty, and unselfishness was their four absolutes. And they had six loose steps on how they were supposed to live to be, have a spiritual life. And, Roland, and, and Dr. Uh, Shoemaker got that idea from uh, Francis Buckman in 1908, who was full of resentment and quit his church in Philadelphia and went to England. And a lady was talking about resentment, and the cross became an eye. And he realized he was the cause of all of his problems. So then he started the Oxford Group. He met Reverend Shoemaker in China in 1924. Reverend Shoemaker was in New York in 1934 at the Calvary Church, the Oxford Group. Roland was sent by, uh, came back and went there, and then they heard that Ebby Thatcher was going to be put in prison for the rest of his life because he was an uncontrollable alcoholic. He had shot up uh, the neighborhood, and he drove, drove his car into some lady's house and asked for a drink, and the judge had had enough. Now, the judge's son in Vermont was a good friend of Roland Hazard, and they knew Ebby Thatcher. So they went to, to the judge in Vermont and said, don't put him in, in the asylum, we'll take him. The judge says you can take him anywhere as long as you get him out of the state. <laughs> so they took him to New York. And after, 